Welcome, everybody, to the Kona Shane Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Rourke. Guys, I'm here with the one and only Ken Yagi talking about how do you actually start using technicians more aggressively, holistically, assertively than you have in the past? How do we actually delegate stuff to technicians so that doctors get on board and the change actually gets made in the practice. That's what I want to dig into. So uh, Ken and I always talk high level stuff. We're not doing that today. I, I really, what do you say in the practice? What are the steps that you have to take to try to, to try to change the way that a practice functions and really starts to utilize those technicians to take things off of doctor's plates? And how do you get the doctors to allow the technicians to do that? Uh, that's what Ken and I get in today. It is a super fun episode. Guys, I hope you'll enjoy it. Let's get into this episode. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome to the podcast, Ken Yaki. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Oh, always. I, uh, I love having you on, on the show. You've been on a number of times. For those who do not know you, uh, you have, uh, you're an RVT and a veterinary technician specialist in emergency critical care and small animal internal medicine. Uh, you have been the president of NAVTA, the North American Vet Tech Association, and you are currently the chief nursing officer at uh, VEG. Is, is, is that, I didn't miss anything, did I? I mean, I know I miss, I miss a lot. First of all, your bio just <laughs> rolls on. It's like the Iliad, um, but I, I, think, I think those are, those are, those are at least some of the points. Uh, Yep, sounds good. Any anything I should anything I should add that I, I woefully left um, out? The, uh, NAFTA is uh, the National Association of Veterinary Technicians in America, no longer North America. What I say, the North American Vet Tech Association. I just make stuff up sometimes. I yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we pride ourselves on factual accuracy here on the Cone of Shame, and I'm gonna. Uh, I'm glad that you caught that. All right. Enough of that. Let's get let's let's talk brass tacks here, Ken Yagi. Uh, you and I, when we talk, uh, when I usually have you on, we talk at a high level about kind of where technicians are going and how technicians interface with medicine overall, and and we future cast a lot and things like that. And that stuff is always fun, and I do really like it. But there's, uh, I I am I am about as pragmatic as they come. When, it, when I get into like, I, how do I actually get things done? I, I like to get things done. And I look at a lot of practices and I think I see a lot of my colleagues who are like, yes, I want to use my technicians more. And I see a lot of techs who are like, hey, buddy, we're put us in, coach. We're, we're ready. Um, but we've got these established systems and, and workflows and ways that we've done things in practice. And breaking out of the old way of doing things is hard. And a lot of people say, I want to do this, Andy, but it's, it's scary. Like the idea of giving up control and saying, I've been doing you know, catheter placement forever and I know that I'm really good at it. And so I, the idea of letting people who are not as good as me do it is terrifying. It doesn't make any sense. And I go, well, you have to give people repetitions and a chance to, to use their skills. It's not fair to not let anyone do stuff and then dunk on them because you're, because you do it better than they do. I go, that's, that is, that's dumb. And so they're like, but, but it's still this, this stepping back part is really, really hard. And so what I wanted to talk with you about today is how do we actually make a change in a practice 
that hasn't been leveraging their technicians. So yeah, I, I kind of want to get into the weeds and, and pick your brain about things that you've seen where practices have actually made changes and people who have been established techs have not come out and gone into a new practice, but they've gone into a, a, an established practice and over time they have, they have grown in that practice and that practice has evolved because medicine changes guys. And I, I really think that, um, if you're practicing medicine the way you were five, 10 years ago, then you, you haven't, you haven't grown and it's time to grow. So I want to help people grow today. So Ken, when I, when I sort of lay that out at first, how does that sound? Uh, that sounds great. So let's get right into that. <laughs> All right. Let's, so let's, let's, let's go to work. So, so where do we start here? Right. I've got my practice and I'm like, I don't know. I, am I, am I lever? I think I'm leveraging my technicians, but I don't really know. Uh, help, help me, help me get my arms around what I'm even looking at here. Yeah, um, so um, I've been looking into this uh, quite a while and I have survey responses and things like that. And uh, when it comes to the re one of the reasons why um, people don't get utilized, uh, it's actually kind of surprising to see on the survey, there's a re response that says, we don't have issues with utilizing technicians. And that one actually gets picked the most. And uh, so it made me think about, well, maybe people don't actually realize that just being busy and having people run around like crazy and trying to get things done is different from well-utilized technicians because that's just busy yeah. people that are trying to get everything done. And the other thing might be that they're just not aware of what good utilization looks like. I have a quick exercise that I just want to throw Let's out there it. for everyone that we can do and uh, that'll be a good place to start. I'm gonna read off 10 different things that could be done in a veterinary practice. And the people who are listening, I want you to think about whether that gets done most of the time by a doctor or by your nurse and uh, keep track of that. And uh, we'll tally it at the end. The first one is IV catheter placement. Next one is calculating fluid rates, hospitalized patient assessment, urinary catheterization for urine collection, client education on diabetes, ultrasound exam, anal gland expression, nasal gastric tube placement, creating anesthetic plans and administering it. And then the last one is unblocking cats. I'm at five. Like, I'm just going by, by what, what happens in the practice where I work. So I was like, I'm at five, I'll be honest. Yeah, exactly. That's what we want to be doing. So for, for you, five of those fit into technicians are doing it most of the time. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. So then uh, if you take a quick tally of that, right, so that's kind of like 50% out of 100% for me, because all of these things should be able to be done by a technician with supervision, of course, mm -hmm. but a well-trained one. And so uh, then I would say that uh, you have 50% potential of utilizing technicians better in your practice. Yeah, so I, I believe that. I, I, I said, I, I think there's, I think there's the possibility to get better. I th that's why, honestly, you know, you write the book you want to read. I was like, I, I, the reason I want to have this podcast, I'm like, I want to, I want to, what does what does evolution like that look like in the practice where where I work? Um, and so yeah, I, I I know that there's upward possibility. So that 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 totally tracks to me. So the first step is to go through this kind of thought process to take a look at what happens in your practice, how which of those are uh, could be done by technicians that you're not utilizing them for, and that gives you the awareness of how much more room there is to grow in your practice for utilizing technicians. And that's the first place to start. You need to know where you're at in order to change it. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that assessment. I, just doing that, I go, okay. I, I love the questions as well because they're concrete examples of things that technicians could do that, uh, that, that they often aren't. And I go, oh, okay, yes, uh, it is true that my techs could unblock a cat and they generally don't, but they could and I, I get it. So I, I like that they're specific examples and, and just the questions themselves kind of open up your mind to how technicians could be utilized. I really like that exercise. 
And I, I also um, be a little bit cautious and say that unblocking cats, I'm putting it out there, right? That's kind of like one of the highest end things that technicians could do because it's a high risk procedure. What if the urethra tears, you know, those sure, yeah. Up. And I would definitely consult the practice act to make sure that what you're trying to get technicians to do is definitely legal. Yeah, and, oh, well, that's uh, important, but, yeah. But with that said, there's so much more that, that we could be utilizing our technicians for than we do today. Yeah, no, I, I think I think I do think that's good. But well, I think you, so. I really like this example. So let let's stay with this for a second. You know, so we're talking about unblocking cats. I, I think you put your finger right on the valid concerns that doctors have, where they go, "Yes, I technicians could do this, but I'm the one who's going to have to make the phone call if we punch through the urethra, and now we've got real problems." And it's not even about saying like I think that someone else is better than me or not as skilled as me. But it's almost like if I'm the one held responsible and there's going to be a mistake made, I would like to be the one who makes the mistake because at least I will know then that I, I'm the one who messed up and now I have to deal with the consequences. So I, I think that that's I think that's a very valid emotional response that people have, and so that that sort of brings me around to I, I think there's there's nuance here as far as like what are we comfortable with and 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 I, in my impression. Rome was not built in a day. I think a lot of people expect that that the path to tech utilization is a huge leap forward or one day we walk in and say, guys, the rules are changing and we lay down all of these things. I just can't imagine that's the case. So let, let's start to talk a little bit about what increased utilization actually look like as, as it takes hold in the practice. Can we do that? Absolutely. We're, yeah. Where do where's the push usually come from? Is it usually I mean just in your experience we're talking 100% anecdotally here. Is it is it usually uh is it an owner manager uh you know um up the chain sort of decision? Is this usually doctor driven where the doctors say I want to uh I want to delegate more effectively to technicians. Let's talk about changing our protocols or or is it or is it usually technician driven? What what have you seen that is actually accomplished results? It needs to come from all different directions, but uh I would say that the push from the uh, veterinary technicians and nurses side has existed in a, for a long time, right? We've been saying we'd like to be utilized and that hasn't changed things too rapidly. I think that uh, the practice management is starting to look at it a lot more commonly now because of the shortage that we have out there. We need to see uh, as many patients or even more patients in a more efficient manner. And so one of the ways that we can do that is through more efficiently utilizing every single team member, sure. not just the veterinary nurses. Um, so then we uh, need to think about it that way. And knowing that uh, the path to retention is also to be able to pay these people better, uh, having a more efficient team that's able to bring in more revenue through the utilization is seen as partial solution to the shortage that we have today. And so I think we're starting to see a lot more um, of the practice management paying attention to efficiently using the team members um, while balancing it with some of the concerns that come up, like the one that you mentioned regarding um, liability issues. Yeah, that tracks with with what I've seen. Uh, and now, now that you say that, I go, okay, yeah, I get it. Well, I think one of the things that, that I have seen as a recent movement is I, I don't know if it's driven by corporization of medicine, uh, you know, and, and we we suddenly have these uh, sort of outside entities that are very focused on on business and operations in a way that yeah, most independent practices never used to be. I don't know if it's really coming for them. I don't know if our whole profession is just evolving. I don't know if it's the labor shortage that's really pushed this, but but the operational efficiency is a really big deal now across practices. And I've talked to a number of people who have voiced frustration to me 
where they say that um, we have this plan, we've come up with this way of getting things done, we, we've got these systems for delegating effectively to, to technicians and other paraprofessionals, um, we've got all these things that we have figured out and the doctors won't do it. And the doctors, they won't, they won't delegate, they won't delegate to the technicians. They won't, they won't, they won't, they won't use them or they, they don't want to use this system that we've come up with. And so I, and so I've heard that. And again, I'm not in this practice. I don't, I don't know. I don't like to think of that. The doctors are probably the most likely obstacle uh, to evolution this way, but it seems to me that they probably are as a doctor because they're the ones who feel like they're, they are held responsible when things go wrong. And so I think it's it, it's understandable that they would be the most hesitant to kind of say, okay, I'm going to open this up. I'm going to to step back uh, from what I've done previously. And it's like it's not just about belief in our own skills, but it is there's a liability you know part to it as well. Where I go, well, you know, my license is the one that's going to be come after if this goes badly. Do, does that does that resonate with you, Kim, when I say that? Does that does that feel like what you've seen as well? Am I overstating, uh, you know, the pushback that, that doctors tend to give to these initiatives? No, I, I think that um, it's definitely true that doctors uh, have the liability on their mind because it is uh, under their supervision that all these things happen. And if something goes wrong with their patients and it goes to the veteran medical board, they are definitely the primary person that's called up to uh, defend yeah. Right. And so there's uh, certainly that uh, worry there. Um, I'm also going to say, though, it's not everyone that feels that way, that I think that there are many doctors that are very pro utilization and making sure that they can do their job better by having trained individuals that can help them uh, to perform the procedures that they need to perform or that the delegate the tasks that they need to delegate. And and that's um, and that's I think that's the key point is that, uh, yes, there is a liability but the liability falls both on the doctor and the licensed professional, the RVTs, LVTs, uh, CVTs that are, uh, that have their own license that they will ultimately need to defend as well. Um, and uh, so at, at the very highest level, I would say that nobody should be doing anything in the practice that they're not mm -hmm. trained well enough to do. It's not an all or nothing thing where we say all of a sudden, yeah, everyone should be doing 100% of what's legally possible and let's just start doing that tomorrow. And so I think getting there by good training um, and also uh, starting with the maybe the smaller things, lower risk items that uh, will uh, be comfortable enough for the team to start allowing uh, the nursing team to be able to do and gradually getting to the point that you have uh, higher end things being done by the entire team would be good. But there are probably individuals within each of those teams that are very high caliber that won't be satisfied with the lower level of utilization that you want to retain. And so a more individualized plan on who's the person to be uh, have these tasks appropriately delegated to them uh, and identifying that within the practice would be important. If you uh, dream of doing team training with your team, getting your people together, getting them on the same page, talking about uh, how you guys work together in your practice, I'd love to help you. You can check out drandywork.com and check out the store. I have two different team training courses. These are courses for teams to do together to get on the same page and to talk about how you do, thing, uh, do things. I have my uh, Angry Clients course and I have my Exam Room Toolkit course and uh, they are both available and there to come out. All right, guys, let's get back into this episode.
Okay, so there's a couple pieces of this I want to unpack. So first, I, I really like your idea of starting with lower lower stress, lower risk things that people can get on board with and just starting to build the habit of delegating and letting people do more and start to grow, you know, in, in small steps. That that totally makes sense to me. Um, talk to me. Talk to me more about what an individualized plan looks like in practice in a way that doesn't, that doesn't hack people off. You know, it's not like, hey, we're gonna let uh, we're gonna let Amanda do this, but we're not gonna let David do it. Um, and go, mm -hmm. you know, uh, like so. So yeah, help me. How, what what kind of messaging is around that? Because it makes sense to me where you say, I do have some people that I think could do it. They 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 are licensed technicians, and I have some people who are licensed technicians that I'm like I'm not comfortable doing this uh, at least to start. What what does messaging around that look like? Where I say we're going to try this with with one or two people, as opposed to yes, you 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 have your RVT, and so now jump in and go for it. I can definitely see your point. And if we individualize it to the point that only a certain people are able to do certain things, then it would create some tension within the the team. I think trying to do this more systematic way would be good. Um, what we've done is we've put together a path of growth for people. There are different categories of individuals on the mm -hmm. nursing team. There's something called hospital assistants who might have very little clinical experience and they're coming in and serving as true assistants that don't do a whole lot of clinical okay. work. Uh, so that's one type of people. And then we have veterinary assistants who are not licensed, but uh, can uh, have uh, gained enough practical and clinical experience that they can function at a higher level in the clinics. And then people who have become credentialed from there that are our veterinary nurses, uh, we only hire credentialed veterinary technicians to be our veterinary nurses and draw a line there, uh, who are also uh, very clinical in nature. They have knowledge of the why behind the things that they do that allows them to determine when their patient's in trouble, be able to troubleshoot uh, when things go wrong, and uh, they have the knowledge set to be able to do so. So just as a basic, and there's VTSs too, right? Veterinary technician specialists that have uh, higher experience and uh, knowledge level, and they went through a certification process. So let's just like, you know, say there's four different buckets that people fall into. So then hospital assistants can be utilized in this fashion, veterinary assistants can be utilized in this fashion, veterinary nurses are utilized in this fashion, VTSs can do the highest end things. So if we can, bucket them into different categories and then assign the types of tasks that each of these people would primarily be able to be utilized in. Uh, then you have a starting place to say, it's not just a, I like this person uh, and how they do this particular procedure, so I'm gonna let them do that. But this person, I maybe I don't have a good enough relationship with, so I'm gonna shy away from working with that individual and then creating a very antagonistic yeah, feeling that I, I i like that and that i think that might, that makes a ton of sense also likes sort of the personal development path i just i think that that's it's like if you want to keep people engaged and talk to them as an individual about where they're going and kind of start to lay those things down i, I think i just i think that that's a such a healthy approach in sort of keeping people going and growing you know, so um i want to i want to circle back to there was three pieces i want to pull out of what you said earlier and the first was you know small steps to start the second one is this is sort of uh, individualized plan and the third part is the skill training that we talked about and so you know I, I think back to when i graduated from vet school and my skills were pretty darn ephemeral at the time meaning if i didn't get into practice and start using those skills i don't know that that I would have had them a few years later, you know, because we learned, we learned a lot in vet school. We learned a lot in vet school, but you don't get to 
do a whole lot. You you are sort of didactically learning and and learning and writing notes and you know sort of taking it in. But then there's the getting into practice and getting that repetition. And so if I have, let's say I have a technician who, who went and, and uh, he went to school and he got, he got his credentials and he's come into a practice and he didn't really get to do a lot of the more advanced work for a couple of years. And now we start to say, now we've got some opportunities for you. Um, I want that person to be successful. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you would look at skill training for technicians when I'm actually, we're actually going to let them do it now. I feel like we'd be setting them up for failure if we said you were trained three years ago. Jump in there and do it. Um, help me, help me bridge that that skill gap. Yeah. So I think that uh, one of the first places that you need to start is um, defining what that task really is, and that uh, if it's um, as simple as IV catheter placement, for example. What does that mean? How is it done? Is there a standard that's set in the practice that, that people are expected to do it a certain way? Because if one of the reasons why doctors don't uh, necessarily delegate to a certain technician might be that uh, it's faster to get it done themselves or get it done right if they do it in the exact way that they want to see it happen, then we need to be able to communicate some of that to the team members on how a certain thing is being expected to be performed in that particular practice. So do you have guidelines? Do you have protocols? That needs to exist first in order to train against. And then the next step is the training part, which uh, can also be uh, somewhat challenging, right? That if you have a shortage of uh, people and you're struggling to keep up with the uh, workload that you have, how do you gain the time in order to train these individuals appropriately? And that's a harder one to tackle. But having a system first, having standards set, having a system to train, do you have somebody who's dedicated to coordinate the training? Have you established a peer-to-peer training type culture within the hospital that allows people who are knowledgeable enough and well-trained enough to do the training uh, actually do it? And then the rest of it is people having each other's backs to find the time to help each other grow and that being a norm. Yeah. No, that, that, no, that makes sense. It's, it's basically uh figure out what done looks like and then, and then make action an action step plan to get to done. I, I, and that's super simple advice, but it's uh, I found it to be true again and again. And I, I guess one more thing that I'll um, insert with that is um, I think there's maybe a little bit of a tendency for us to, when we set guidelines and protocols or certain ways that things are supposed to be done, being too rigid in it, um, in that, that there's probably things that um, we want to make sure happens. Uh, if it's an IV catheter example, we want it to be done in an aseptic manner. We want the catheter to stay in, that we want it to be painless as possible for the patient. And there's probably things to pay attention to do that. But uh, how exactly do we need to take the catheter or uh, dictating it to that very micromanaged level is probably not the way to go. And so I just want to make sure that we're aware that protocol or guidelines doesn't mean exactly how it needs to be done because there's more than one way to get the goals accomplished. And uh, I think that's a trap that we fall into sometimes too. That makes it an um, unpleasant experience for the people who are learning. I love that you said that. I have been, I actually am, I'm halfway through writing an article right now on the difference in uh, protocols and context and leading with protocols and context where uh, it's, it's a, it's a balance, right? So I, there's so many people, I love what you said. And just, I have a hundred percent worked at places where it was like, this is how many pieces of tape we use. And this is how they go. And I understand because, you know, there, there it's, it's about, it's about consistency and quality control. And at the same time, if you hire smart people 
who are very good at what they do and you take away their agency and their ability to, you know, to look at the situation and adapt to what is best for in this specific case, the net, the, the ultimate outcome is less than it, than it would be. You know, it's, um, I always say, you know, don't, don't hire smart, great, motivated people and then put them into a system that doesn't let them make any decisions or, you know, or, or, or affect the outcome on the ground. Um, and the same thing as, you know, don't, don't, don't hire smart people and give them no guidance and, you know, and then be frustrated when things are all done every different way. It, it is a balance of that. But uh, I don't think I've ever had anyone say that the hyper nuanced anal retentive way of this, this piece of tape. And this is how we do it. I've never had anyone push back against that, but it's always bothered me of like, what are we doing here? Really? Like, it, it, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I love that, that nod towards balance. Let me add, last question. Um, are there any pitfalls that you see with practices that are starting to utilize technicians? How does this blow up and go off the rails and end up just locked back down tighter than it ever was before? Like what are the, what are the, yeah, what are the, the, the mistakes that get made that really just tank uh, initiatives to empower technicians? Having a plan on gradually improving utilization is the first point. And I say that because if we try to go from zero to 60 in a snap of a finger to get everyone utilized and we start uh, letting people do all these things and they should just teach each other and just get it out there and put it out there, uh, mistakes are bound to happen, right? Mistakes as in like something affected patient care, the client complained because they had a poor experience. The doctors got reinforced in the feeling that uh, they should have done it themselves because look what happened, you know, because I uh, delegated this uh, particular task to this person. So, so I think doing that in a more planned, gradual manner is the, num uh, the first thing that I think about when I uh, think about that. But also uh, being tolerant and understanding that there will be mistakes that will happen when we start letting people do new things and uh, making sure that people understand that as we try to push the boundaries here a little bit, whatever that boundary is for your specific practice, uh, there are going to be unideal situations that will arise. But the point of that is to, uh, when, when something like that happens, the important thing to um, think about as you approach it is not to then say, oh, see, it didn't work. So now we have to revert. Let's not let uh, anyone place uh, nasal gastric tubes ever again, or doctors will always have to do urinary catheters or something like that. And doing a little bit of a knee jerk reaction to that. Uh, instead of doing that, you really have to take the time to evaluate, well, what went wrong here? Was the person not trained well enough? Did the doctor uh, not provide good enough instructions? Um, is, was it a just difficult case that was going to that was going to happen with regardless of who was doing it and just uh, evaluating each of those situations, learning from it, adjusting for the next time and providing the right guidance that uh, each of these individuals need to do it better the next time, I think is uh, uh, one thing that I want to make sure that people understand that it won't always go perfectly. We just need to improve it for the next time. And that gradual improvement as you do it more and more is what will get you there. 
Can I uh, throw in um, one more thing? Yeah, sure. When we talk about utilization and issues surrounding it, we often point to the doctor is not letting you know technicians do this, or the practice management isn't paying attention to utilization enough and creating systems and whatnot. But I think there's a third piece to that. And that last piece is that for all the veterinary nurses out there that are uh, wanting to be utilized better, uh, I think we should self-reflect a little bit too, to say like, are we the type of people that foster good trust that allows people to delegate the task to us? Like, do we have the knowledge and skills that allow us to appropriately do this? And are we making sure that we're not overextending ourselves and putting patients at risk? Do we follow through and deliver when tasks are delegated to us and make sure that it's done instead of forgetting it or like dropping the ball sometimes? Are we treating the doctors respectfully and creating a safe place for them to come back and ask questions about how things were done or clarifications about the things that we've done without us getting defensive? Because that could definitely uh, prevent doctors from wanting to delegate further. And so it's always, uh, I guess it's more than a two-way street in terms of um, making sure that utilization is something that naturally happens in the hospital. So for all the uh, veterinary technicians and nurses out there, be that person is what I, a message that I want to send. Yeah, I, I love that. It's it's definitely a dance that we do together, right? Like we, we want to be trusted and we want to be empowered and then we need to we need to make sure that we're that we're able to accomplish the things that we set out to do you know what i mean and, and like trust is trust is cyclical that way of we give trust to someone else and they and they validate and reward that trust and and we continue to spin up so anyway i i, I love that point well can uh where can people find you online where can they where can they learn more about you and or veg um i'm on linkedin instagram and facebook um, and uh, happy to chat uh, through any of that. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here. Hey, guys, take care of yourselves, everybody. Have a great weekend. And that is our show. That's what I got for you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. As always, if you did, share it with your friends. Uh, write me an honest review wherever you get your podcast. That always means the world. Um, thanks again to Ken for being here, guys. Take care of yourselves. I, I said at the end of the recording uh, with Ken, like, have a great weekend. It's Wednesday. I don't know why I said that. I, I'm, I think I'm done with this week. Uh, I, I'm sure I'm sure other people know how that feels. Any, regardless of what day it is, have a great day and a great next two days as if it was a great weekend, even if you're listening on Monday. Anyway, that's all I got. Take care, everybody. Bye.